Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is December 13th. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me blog. We're going to continue taking a look at these seals that the Lord is opening. Now what's interesting is here in the book of Revelation chapter 6, we have had 11 verses so far to teach us about 5,000 years of history. We've seen five seals opened in these 11 verses. And now we're going to take the next couple chapters to talk about the sixth and seventh seals. What's interesting, we've got such a disproportion amount of time given to the first 5,000 years versus these last two seals. And I think it's important to remember that this was part of John's mission to reveal these last day prophecies. Remember when Nephi has a vision, he sees these same things, but the angel tells him not to write these things down because this would be John's mission to teach and testify about these latter days. And we're certainly going to see that as we get into more detail about the sixth and seventh seal. Now in the sixth seal, we're going to see a little bit of change in chronological order. Remember I said up until this point, we're going to see it pretty chronologically accurate, but here it's kind of going to jump around in the sixth seal a little bit. So it's going to start out by showing us some of the signs of the times that will happen during this sixth seal period. Starting in verse 12, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of the heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely when she is shaken of a mighty and the heaven departed as the scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of place. So we get some imagery there of these end of day prophecies. It's important to remember this book is very, very symbolic. We don't actually think the moon is going to become blood. We don't think that the sun is going to be sackcloth, right? But things will clearly happen that will make these things feel like it is happening. In the Millennial Messiah, Bruce R. McConkie says it this way. He says, There may be more than one occasion when the light of the sun and the moon shall be withheld from men, and when it shall seem as though the very stars in the firmament are being hurled from their places. What is here recited could mean that the light of the sun is blotted out by smoke and weather conditions, which could also make the moon appear as blood. This falling of the stars unto the earth could be meteoric showers, as distinguished from stars, on other occasion appearing to fall because of the earth itself, because the earth itself reels to and fro. Perhaps this passage has reference to both types of stars. So Bruce R. McConkie seems to think that the conditions of the latter days will lead us to see similar things, will darken the sun and will cause the moon to turn red. In fact, I remember, I think I was probably eight at the time when there were the fires in Yellowstone. And we were in West Yellowstone while those fires were happening. And we had gone to a theater and I remember coming out of the theater and the moon was just bright red because of the smoke from those Yellowstone fires. And even being eight years old, I remember knowing about this prophecy because I remember just being so terrified that Jesus was going to come. I was like, there it is. The moon is red as blood. This is the end right here, right now. So I like that Bruce R. McConkie makes it clear that this isn't going to just be a one-time event. It's going to be things that we will see in multiple ways at multiple times 
but that these signs of the times will be clear to those who are looking for. And then it goes on and it says, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondsman and, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Now, what's interesting there is that it names seven different types of people, kings, great men, rich men, captains, mighty men, bondsmen, and free men. Remember the number seven and the symbolism of the number seven? It means complete or total. And so it's saying everyone in every group of people, in every type of people, there will be those who fear these moments and who fear the second coming of Christ, wanting to be hid with the mountains and the rocks of the earth from God and from the Lamb. And then John asks an amazing question. He says, For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall abide and who shall be able to stand? In that day, in those trials, in those tribulations, when things get hard and when the signs of the times are all over, who will be able to stand with confidence in that day? And then almost as an answer to that question, almost as if to answer John's inquiry about who will be able to stand with confidence in that day, John has more of this vision opened to him. And the answer to that question of who will be able to stand, he sees the restoration of the gospel. He sees angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds, and another angel ascends from the east. And so these angels and this angel coming in is representation of the restoration of the gospel. And I love what it says here. It says, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So it's saying we cannot have the destruction of the earth. We can't have the second coming until we have restored the gospel and risen up the righteous. I love the word seal there, to seal the servants of God in the forehead. Now, I think as members of the church, oftentimes when we hear the word sealed, we automatically think of temple ceremonies, right? The idea of being sealed together. And I do think that that's true. And we'll talk about that in just a second as well. But there's another type of seal as well. And in ancient times or in olden times, every person of power, any person of status would have a seal. They would have their signet. They would have their symbol, right? And if they were to approve of something, they would use wax and they would place their seal in that wax. And it was like a stamp of approval. And I like that symbolism when talking about God sealing these servants in their forehead. It's like God is placing his stamp of approval on the righteous. And so I love that idea of being sealed. In fact, let's take a look in the scriptures, other times that we see this sealing happening, this approval. In Mosiah chapter 5, verse 15, listen to how this scripture talks about being sealed. It says, Therefore, I would that ye should be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in good works, that Christ, the Lord God omnipotent, may seal you his, that you may be brought to heaven, and that ye may have everlasting salvation and eternal life through the wisdom and power and justice and mercy of him who created all things in heaven and in, who is God above all. 
I love that idea that as we are steadfast and immovable and always abounding in good works, that Christ can seal us his. He can place that stamp on us saying, this person is mine. And again, in the vision that Joseph Smith has of the celestial kingdom in Doctrine and Covenants 76, he's describing the people who inherit the celestial kingdom. And he says, they are they who overcome by faith and are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So I like that definition of being sealed or having that stamp of approval from our Father in heaven. But let's take a look at the other definition of sealed, the more Latter-day Saint definition of being sealed. In the song, Come Thou Fount, the author says to the Lord, here's my heart, take and seal it, seal it for the courts above. He is begging the Lord to bind his heart with the Lord's. That's another definition of this word seal, to bind together. And my friends, what have we been learning about with our covenants in the last few years? We've been given a new way to think about covenants, that it's not just a two-way promise, but that it is a chance to bind ourselves with the Lord, to seal ourselves to him. And so my friends, when the scriptures say, who is going to be able to abide these last days? Who's going to be able to abide the calamities that are going to come? Well, that's one of the purposes of the restoration of the gospel. Doctrine and Covenants section one, the Lord says, I, the Lord, knowing the calamities which should come upon the inhabitants of the earth, called upon my servant, Joseph Smith Jr., and spake unto him from the heavens and gave him commandments. The way we overcome the calamities, the way we overcome the difficulties and the trials and tribulations of these last days is because of and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Living the gospel seals us with the stamp of approval and making and keeping covenants binds our hearts to the Savior. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm the